Welcome, coaches. This is Tony Schiffman, and you are listening to the Hog Football Podcast. The Hog Football Chat was created as a way for coaches to talk about all things football and all things offensive line, and we took off via Twitter. With the help of so many great sponsors, we were able to create an amazing network of our coaching community. Now we've decided to launch our first ever podcast series. Please don't forget to check out those amazing sponsors on Twitter. This podcast series is presented by Platform, an online strength and conditioning tool that partners with over 800 schools across the country. Go check out platform.com, that's P-L-T-4-M.com for our full series and catch up on any episodes you might have missed. Don't forget to check out at Coach Schiffman on Twitter and use the hashtag HogFootballChat when you're there. We have a great episode for you today, so let's go ahead and kick this off. Hey guys, welcome to another edition of the Hog Football Podcast. I have got with me today Coach Jake Timmerman. Coach Timmerman is currently the offensive line coach at Grayson High School in Georgia. Uh, got his start at Northside Warner Robins in 2014 coaching. Uh, in 2014 and 2015, he was the ninth grade offensive line coach before moving up to the varsity offensive line coach. Uh, and then 2018 was the ninth grade offensive coordinator before going to Grayson in 2019. Uh, so coach has got a lot of experience in the state of Georgia. Born in Georgia, graduated from Georgia, uh, from Georgia, uh, just got Georgia through and through. So, uh, pleasure to have you with me, Coach. How, how's it going? I uh, appreciate you having me on, Coach. Doing well out here. Uh, just enjoying the nice summer weather out here in Georgia. Um, you know, trying to get through. We're uh, fortunate enough to be one of the states that's been able to have some some summer workouts and things going on. So, right. uh, just kind of in the middle of all that, just trying to get ready for the season right now. Just, you know, prepping like we are going to have one at least. Good. Yeah, that's that's I think that's the way to go. That's the mindset to have because better, you know, better, better we're over prepared than under prepared, I think, as coaches. So it's uh, oh, absolutely that's, that's good. You're going that way. Um, so talk to me a bit. First question I've got for everybody is talk to me a bit about how the offensive line played, um, you know, has played a part in the success of some of the really good teams you've been a part of. Uh, well, you know, it's when I first got to Northside in 2014, um, I mean, we were enormous up front. Um, I think, you know, we had, we had two 300 plus pound tackles. Uh, we had two quote unquote tight ends who were really just our seventh, uh, our sixth and seventh OLs who were right. both like 270 plus. Um, we had a couple of guards who were pretty big. Um, and so that offensive line was, was enormous. And, and that first year we were, I mean, we would literally just line up in two tights and just mash people with, with power and ISO and counter and stuff like that. Um, and, and some beer and stuff here and there. So uh, it was definitely, you know, a big part of our success that year um, just because we were so much bigger than everybody and could really pound on people. Um, and then um, this this past year was really interesting. Um, we had, you know, seven guys here up here at Grayson that, that really rotated for us and got time throughout the season. Right. Um, four of those guys – were defensive guys um, when we got there in the spring. And so it took us a while to kind of develop our identity a little bit as an offensive line up here my first year at Grayson. Um, they had had, you know, three big power five guys mm -hmm. that had been starting for them for like the past three years who had, who had, you know, gotten most of the reps and everything. And so for a lot of our guys that ended up playing for us this year, um, it was the first time they had gotten some significant reps at, at OL. And right. they did a really good job of, of you know, taking on that challenge, 
um, and learning and working hard. And they ended up, you know, working real well together. And I thought we did a pretty good job. We were, you know, kind of a, a lot of a wide zone scheme. Uh, and we had a couple, you know, of really good backs and things of that sort. But um, I do think they did a pretty good job of kind of taking on that challenge of basically having, you know, all brand new starters except for right. really one kid. Right. And, you know, that kind of – that brings me to my first real question. I'm going to kind of switch the questions up here a little bit just because I, I want to – you kind of just were touching on it, and I want to get to it while it's fresh. Um, you know, you're obviously – you're at Grayson High School now, which is is a nationally nationally known program, um, you know, not just a, a state powerhouse but a national powerhouse. And, and uh, you know, I'm I'm sure people listening have seen seen them on ESPN multiple times, and, and you talked about the Power Five guys that, that have come through there. Um, do you guys, you know, you, you in particular and you as a staff, do you guys feel, feel that pressure at that program? You know, part one of my question and part two of my question is, is, you know, some of us are lucky to coach one power five guy in our entire career. And, you know, you guys are loaded with them. Uh, you know, how, how is that as a, as a coach? Um, and, and you know, what's that like for, for guys kind of coming in the building and, and checking you guys out? Yeah, I mean it's it's pretty cool for sure. It's that's definitely a, a part of the reason why I came over here. Uh, you know, last spring was because you know I, I obviously being in the state of Georgia, you know, I I know Grayson's reputation, right. um, the opportunity to to coach at somewhere that's you know considered a national powerhouse on the high school level is not you know that's not very common. Um, so yeah, I was I was definitely up for the challenge. I knew there was going to be a lot of pressure. We were in a unique situation when I came in last year because uh, we were all a brand new staff. Right. Um, new head coach, new coordinator, new everything. Everybody on the staff was brand new. Um, and so and, – and, and then the group that had graduated before, as they graduated 41 seniors who went on – you know, who got some type of – Holy cow. Some type of college offer, Right. <laughs> um, third, yeah, 41 seniors and they, and they all got some kind of college offer or whatever. They had 13 guys could power five. Um, and, and we really had, um, I think maybe like four or five re returning starters, you know, coming back and that was it. Um, and so it was kind of an interesting position last year. A lot of people didn't really predict us to, to do much that mm -hmm. they, uh, you know, they kind of expected it to be a down year and everything with everybody being new, with the coaches being new, with the kids being new, with such a talented group leaving. Um, and so we, we knew that pressure going in. Uh, we definitely felt it every week. Um, but I think our kids did an excellent job of, of living up to that challenge. I, I, think, they, I think they felt that um, pressure. I think they had a, a chip on their shoulders. They wanted to prove that, you know, they weren't just some, you know, group of slaps who were – uh, just going to be lost in the mix. They wanted to leave their own mark. And, you know, we ended up going 11 and two. We were region champs. We were undefeated at home. Um, and so we, we had a good year. Those guys left their mark. And so, you know, this year is, is kind of different. Um, we weren't really expected to win much at all last year. Uh, now this year we're coming into things ranked number nine in the country. Right. Um, and we've got a lot of talented kids coming back this year. Uh, we've had a couple of kids transfer over um and so now there's an even bigger target on our backs for sure uh but for a for a totally different reason than last year um and so i i i personally i i, I relish that pressure um you know the old saying is pressure is a privilege mm -hmm. uh, i i'd rather be somewhere where there are high expectations um <clears throat> and work with 
and work alongside people who have those high expectations of themselves than be somewhere where there's no pressure, but, right. but five wins is a good year. Right. Um, you don't, so, you don't, you don't want mediocrity to be applauded. No, no, absolutely not. And again, you know, and everybody, and every, every school situation is, is different. And I'm not right. saying, you know, people who are at schools that win five games or, or, you know, anything of that sort, but me personally, I want to be at programs where we have that high expectation and, and um, we've got the ability to, you know, play at a high level to play for championships and things of that sort. And, right. Um, so it's, it's definitely an, been an interesting year um, seeing how, the kind of the perspective around the program has changed and us as a coaching staff and our, and our kids and how they've kind of, they embraced that challenge last year. We've got a lot of starters coming back. And so they're kind of um, seeing themselves put in a new light now. Um, and again, I think they've got a chip on their shoulders again this year, but for kind of a different reason now. Right. You know, you, you, you talked about it a bit and just, I wanted to throw one comment in, you know, some, some teams who, get those five wins work really, really hard to get those five wins and are proud and are proud of it. You know, right. but, um, you know, I, I 100% agree with what you're saying. You know, a team like Grayson, you guys just, you guys could not practice all summer, all preseason show up game, game one and still probably win five games just based on your <laughs> talent, you know? Um, well, I don't know where, about that, but. Well, but you know what I'm saying? Whereas some of, some of those other teams, you know, so we're not trying to knock, you know, if you only if you win five games, we're not trying to knock that because some some teams it, it that's that's a hell of a lot of work and a hard hard for you to do. So don't oh yeah, don't think we're trying to knock that, coaches. No, we're fortunate to have you know a lot of resources that that a lot of teams don't have. Whether that be you know the, some of the players that we have or um, the you know we're able to have a, a full staff of coaches. You know, we've got sixteen, I think fifteen, sixteen guys on staff. Right. Um, you know, where some, I mean, and I, and I come from a small school. Like we had, we had two full-time coaches and two guys that were community coaches. So I understand, you know, the resources aren't all the way there, but I, I, after starting somewhere like Northside, you know, and, and Northside's a, a state power too. Um, I just, I like being in these types of situations where, where that, that pressure is there. Right. Yeah, that's good. That's, I mean, yeah, I think every, every coach wants to be as best as they can, you know, as good as they can be and, and take their program as high as they can go. So that's awesome. Um, you know, obviously, you talk. You know, you, you in reading your bio, you've um, you spend a lot of time at the at the lower level, at the ninth grade level, as an offensive uh, coordinator and just as a position coach. Uh, talk to me, kind of, about how how important that ninth grade level is, because I know there's a lot of coaches that that kind of push it aside um, and just almost see it, almost treat it as a as a, a, a a completely different program. Whereas, you know, you look at the really good successful programs and they're just, it's just a, a stepping stone for the varsity, but talk to me about your time with the ninth grade and how important you, you felt those, those experiences were. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the, I think your ninth grade program is, is hugely important. Um, you know, obviously not all schools are, are big enough to have just a separate ninth grade program, but if you do, I think your ninth grade program, or even, you know, if you want to say your middle school program um, is, is hugely important. Um, arguably, you know, other than the head coach, perhaps your most important people on staff are your strength coach and your ninth grade head coach. Right. Um, and I feel like, um, you know, while I was at Northside, we had a pretty good ninth grade program um, because you're you're preparing those guys for the next level. Um, you're getting them ready, obviously, to go in and, and contribute. Um, and the earlier guys can contribute, the more depth you'll have. 
right? You may not necessarily ask a 10th grader to come in and be your starting, you know, receiver or court or whatever it is, but if they can come in and get you 15 reps throughout a game, that builds depth. Um, and I think, you know, depth can make a big difference at all levels of football, but especially at the high school level. Right. Um, and so if you are able to develop those guys and get them ready where they can contribute, um, you know, their sophomore year, or, or perhaps, you know, even when the ninth grade season is over, depending on, you know, how your ninth grade season works out with your varsity season, you know, sometimes they may, you know, may have a couple of guys who are even ready to contribute um, their freshman year. And so I think it's, it's very important for a program overall. For me as a coach, it was tremendously important to help me kind of find my coaching style. Right. And try to see, you know, how, what kind of coach I needed to be, what kind of coach I wanted to be. Uh, my first year, I, I yelled way too much. Um, you know, I was, I was really hot-headed, right? I thought. I, I don't think you're the only coach that's done that in their yeah, first year. So. You're not. You're not. You won't be the last. So it's, no. uh, it's, uh, it's one of those growing pains we all have to go through. Definitely, you know, and you, and you try to, you know, it's not necessarily anger per se, but you try to motivate the kids by, you know, having this real high intensity and stuff like that. And and there's a time and a place for that, certainly. Um, but you know, what you, what you'd learned over time, or at least what I learned is that, um, you know, yelling at a kid, you know, or getting all up in their grill or whatever, because of poor technique usually doesn't fix the problem. Um, more often than not, they are not trying to do it wrong. Um, and so if they continue, what I kind of figured out and, and learned and sort of developed was, you know, if they continue to do it wrong in terms of like a technique or something like that, then you ain't coaching it right. Right. It's not, it's not their fault if they keep making the mistake. It's your fault as a coach. Um, and I think, I think a lot of people are reluctant to uh, admit that or to, to face that um, because, you know, that's just kind of human nature is we don't want to necessarily see the faults in ourselves. But one of the things I, I, I figured out was is that they're continuing to mess it up, then I need to fix it. Um, right. So I've, I've, I feel like I've toned down a little bit. Um, and now, like I said, you know, there's still times where you got to get up there and you've got, you've got to, we were just talking about this with our kids this week. You've got to present your kids with adversity on the practice field. You've got to put them in pressure field situations so that they know how to handle them on Friday nights. Um, but at the same time, you've got to pick and choose when those situations are. Um, and you've got to pick and choose and you've got to understand of when to communicate with them and talk with them right, and slow things down and teach them, you know, things like technique or tactics, you know, for the game and scheme and stuff like that. Um, so it's definitely a firm, a fine balance. And I think that's probably the biggest thing that I picked up, you know, going from the ninth grade level, because I felt like, you know, if you can teach something to a ninth grader, if you can figure out how to teach it to a ninth grader who you most likely doesn't have much real football experience, um, then you can probably teach it to just about anybody else on the team. Right. Um, so I think it was a tremendously important few years for me as, as developing as a coach, learning on when to apply the pressure and when to be intense and when to scale things back and know when to just teach. Right. That's, that's an awesome, awesome point right there is, is that again, any, any young coaches or even, even old crusty coaches listen to this, you know, they're, there is a time to to yell, um, but that should not be considered teaching. Yelling is yelling and teaching do not go hand in hand, and 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 I and I don't think, um, you know, any kids kind of 
no kids are going to thrive in that <laughs> scenario no. right there at all. So no, and and that you know, I personally myself, you know, as as a player, I didn't really respond to no me you know, getting called out in front of the whole team or anything. I, I didn't personally like that. And 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 you're going to have kids, and you also kind of have to tailor it to your individual players too. Like mm-hmm. you know, for speaking as an offensive line group, you know. You might have two or three guys that really just when when you get when you call them out in front of everybody, they just get pissed off and they just go and they turn it on and they start playing better. Um, but you may have a couple of individuals who, when they get called out in front of everybody, they get embarrassed and they don't like it and they kind of withdraw and they play slow and they play without passion. And so right. you gotta you've got to figure out the time and place for that type of stuff with your individual players. Um, and I think that's why it's so important to have a relationship with your players and not just you know, treat them as, as, as X's and O's, you know, on a, on a drawing board or whatever, you've got to get out there and you've got to know them individually. You've got to know who responds to what type of coaching you've got to know um, what they go through throughout their daily lives. Um, so, you know, if they come out there and, you know, something in real life is bothering them, you know, that you can be able to work through that as a player and a coach. And, um, and if you don't have that, then I feel like you're, you're going to be in trouble. Absolutely. One, I mean, that's, yeah, one, one thousand percent. You gotta. If you can't relate to your kids and you can't talk to them like a human being, then get out of the business right now because you're you're in it for the wrong reasons, in my opinion. So absolutely. Um, you know, last last thing I want to touch on before my final question, and this is only because it's relevant in the coaching world as we as we speak today on July tenth of two thousand twenty. You're a history teacher, I believe. Correct. Yes, um, what are your thoughts on the tweet that I saw a couple days ago about all history teachers are only football coaches and therefore no, no student athletes are getting a good history education. Did you, did you see that? Did you have comment on that or, or, yeah, or no I, I thought it was so ridiculous. I didn't even bother in, engaging with it <laughs> on Twitter. I, I saw it going around and I, yeah. I thought it was so absolutely ridiculous that, I, I didn't even bother engaging with it. Um, yeah. It's it's clearly coming from somebody who has absolutely, you know, no idea what they're talking about. They, you know, may have had a bad individual experience. Right. Um, but it, it's it's just absolutely ridiculous. I take a lot of pride in, in my job. I mean, because the bottom line is when I sign that contract, that contract is to teach history. Right. Um, is to be a classroom teacher. And then the football stuff is extra. Right. Um, so I, I take it pretty seriously, um, and I'm, I'm pretty sure, you know, most football coaches do. Um, and, and obviously you're going to have those who, who don't, but you're going to have regular teachers who don't carry their weight either. Oh, oh gosh. Uh, those, sometimes those are, the, those are worse than coaches. You get, you oh, get, yeah. you get a, a, an English teacher um, who's got tenure and is three years from retirement. Oh, yeah. Oh, that, that, that teacher is going to do as little as possible because they know that you know all they have to do is show up and they're going to get their paycheck and it's it's unfortunate because you know what those are the schools when with that situation those are the schools that struggle athletically a lot of times because you can't get good teachers slash good coaches in the building because there's too many of those people in there Oh yeah, there's always you know the school ends at three o'clock and they're pulling out at three o three right before the buses even warm up right um, and so yeah I, I, it's just I, I think it's absolutely ridiculous um, you know some of the best 
teachers I have, you know, Mr. Uh, I had Coach Johnson. My, he was my history teacher in eighth grade. He was our middle school football coach, and he was one of the best teachers I ever had. So right. it's an absolutely ridiculous statement, in my opinion. Yeah, okay. I just wanted to, I wanted to get – I saw history, and I figured I'd, I'd ask somebody. You know, obviously I've talked to a lot of people kind of off – off offline and, and, and privately about it. But uh, I figured I'd ask you just because I saw the history on there. So yes, for sure. the guinea pig. I appreciate it. No problem. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, last question I've got for you, coach. Um, and this is the, the, the tough one. This is the, the final one. Um, if you could build a Mount Rushmore of offensive linemen from um, guys you've coached, maybe guys you played with or played against or guys you were just a fan of, who would be on that five man offensive line? Oh, geez, that's pretty tough. Um, well, you know, and again, I'm, I'll probably have, you know, some recency bias, uh, you know, being, I guess, a younger guy. But, you know, I feel like you got to put Joe Thomas on there. Yeah. Um, the things he's done, you know, I guess in our in our modern world of football is 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 pretty incredible. Um, I coach with uh, I coach with a couple of guys at, at Northside who played at Valdosta State uh, when they won their national championship, Kelvin McDavis and, and Torrey Howard. Um, and, you know, it was, it was good working with those guys. I learned a lot about, you know, coaching OL from their experiences um, and, you know, talking, you know, some air raid ball, you know, because um, we were – that was kind of my – that was ha- that's how I would get my air raid fix while I was at Northside because we were a very run-heavy team. Um, and so a lot of those guys were pretty pretty heavy on the run. So I, when I, whenever I would talk air raid, I'd go talk to Coach McDavis uh, and we'd talk some air raid ball about some of the things they did down at Valdosta. Right. Uh, while Coach Hatcher was there. Um, but, you know, and you've got somebody like Quentin Nelson, uh, you know, who's a young and rising star who's, you know, arguably, you know, a top two or three offensive lineman in the league, you know, and only his – what is this, like his second or third year think, or something I like that? I think he's going into his third year. Yeah, which is just absolutely wild. You know, somebody, somebody to come in and just absolutely dominate as an offensive lineman, you know, coming in so early is, is just really rare. Um, you know, and I, I always liked watching, you know, Orlando Pace, you know, the guy who, I mean, the guy basically originated the term pancake. So right. I feel like you got to have him somewhere on there. Um, so those are, you know, those are some guys, and I know I, you know, maybe didn't go position specific or whatever, That's okay. but those are some guys that, um, that I really like to watch or that I really like to talk to and learn from just okay. from a, from an OL perspective. And then probably I would say the biggest influence on me, so far in the past two or three years is LaCharles Bentley. Oh yeah. I think we all kind of know, you know, his, his deal now um, over the past couple of years, how big OLP has gotten. Um, you know, people ask me about that stuff all the time. And I, and I tell them that's the only, that's the only way I'll coach things now. Right. Um, just because of the, the science behind everything, how it's biomechanics, you know, related and things of that sort. And so, um, I definitely, you know, at least for me on a personal level, putting, putting somebody like Charles on there is, is pretty, uh, pretty much a guarantee just because of how much he's influenced, you know, how I coach things and stuff like that. And I, and also his bigger influence on the offensive line, uh, coaching community as a whole, I think he's really pushing things in a good, strong forward direction. And I think, um, we'll be better off for it in the game of football. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think he's, he just, like you said, he does such a great job and 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 um, explains things and and uh, you know explains things in a way that some coaches don't want to hear Absolutely. and unfortunately <laughs> don't don't want to believe. But um, you know he he backs it with science and backs it with evidence and and I think he does he does a great job. So uh, yeah, Absolutely. that's a that's a good list. Um, 
All right, Coach. Well, uh, before I get you out of here, do me a favor. Drop your Twitter handle and any other information you want these guys to know. Uh, yeah. So, um, you know, I'm always trying to talk ball and everything. Um, my Twitter handle is at um, Coach underscore Timmerman. That's T-I-M-M-E-R-M-A-N. Uh, you can shoot me a DM on there. Um, you know, I, I like to talk wide zone or OL, anything of that sort. So um, if you want to shoot me a message on there, um, my email is jttimmerman53 at gmail.com. Uh, you know, if you don't have Twitter or anything of that sort, uh, so you shoot me an email. Um, and I'm always pretty open. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Coach, I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me today. Uh, best of luck to you guys this upcoming season and, and looking forward to talking with you a lot uh, down the road. Yes, sir. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. All right, Coach. Be good. All right, you too. Thanks again for everyone listening. And remember to go check out platform.com for the full series of Hog Football podcast episodes. We want to thank everybody for their continued support and be on the lookout for our Hog Football Chat series from Twitter on our website, hogfootballchat.net. You can check out all of our great sponsors and tons of awesome conversations from the chat and the podcast.